Hello, my comfy, cozy, witchy friends, and welcome to episode number 27 of the Comfy Cozy Witch Podcast with me, Jenny Blonde, the Comfy Cozy Witch. And I just want to say thank you for joining me today. I know it's been a couple of weeks. If you have been following me on, you know, my Instagram, then you probably know that a lot has happened in these couple weeks. Um, I ended up fracturing my ankle from tripping over my girl Reese. (laughs) Yes, right after I did the animal magic episode and I talked all about the animals and talked about my my pets, um, I tripped over Reese. And you all know Reese, she's part of every episode, always barking or jumping on my lap. We went for a walk, Reese and my son and I, and well, long story short, she got tangled around me. I fell. I twisted my whole foot and ankle, crashed to the ground. I hobbled around on it for a couple of days thinking, oh, it'll get better. It'll get better. It did not get better. (laughs) And I ended up going to the doctor, getting an x-ray to see that it is fractured. I also have an old fracture on the top of my foot that was irritated. And I sprained a whole bunch of stuff in my foot and ankle. So I am on the mend now, but I've been dealing with that and doing a lot of book things um, with my witchy cozy mysteries. And we also went away for a little getaway for my husband's birthday and just to get out of town for a bit. So we were gone last week from Sunday to Friday. We went to Cape May And that's going to be part of my first segment because I'm going to talk a little bit about the hauntings and ghosts and spirits of Cape May. But let me first tell you what this episode is about today. I'm just going to give a brief overview of Samhain at the beginning. I mean, three, five minutes because you can you can revisit my Samhain episode from last year where I go into detail about the Sabbath. And then I want to talk a little bit about working with our ancestors today. But before I get into all of that, let's hear what is currently making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. So just before going into the segment, I want to again say thank you to all of you listeners, to everybody who has been reaching out. I have been getting messages on a daily basis at this point um, from all of you telling me how excited you are about the podcast and how much you're enjoying it. And it just brings me so much joy and just it truly warms my heart when I get those messages because that's exactly what I want out of this. I want people to feel connected to their practice. I want um, them to feel like we're just having a chit chat over a cup of tea talking about witchy things. And from what you're telling me, that's what it feels like. And thank you. Um, because I I started this podcast, you know, documenting some of my witchy goings on and experiences. And it has turned into something bigger than I ever anticipated. And currently, I am still this podcast is still in the top 10 spiritual podcasts, um, Apple podcasts in the United States. And I think it's in the top 10 in the UK as well. And that only happens because of you all. So again, thank you. Thank you so much. I honestly can't believe it. As you know, I do no advertising. Um, It's, excuse me, it's been strictly word of mouth. So that just means so much. And it just, it kind of makes me chuckle because it's just, I never expected it. So again, thank you. And now I'm rambling. But I want to talk to you about Cape May. So I've been going to Cape May for, I would say, 15 years now. My mother actually lives nearby. So it's a place that when we visit her, we always go right into Cape May. But this trip that we just took last week was the first time that we stayed in downtown Cape May. Typically, we stay with my mom, but... We decided to stay on our own this time to have our own little family getaway vacation. Not that we don't love visiting my mother. Um, It's just nice to have us on a trip. And we love Cape May so much because it is such a quaint, magical little town. 
It is the southernmost point of New Jersey, if you don't know where it is, because a couple people have asked me, like, I've never heard of Cape May. Where is it? It is a small town filled with history and magic and and ghosts and so many gorgeous, gorgeous Victorian homes and old Victorian inns and hotels. And we ended up staying at... a hotel that I have always wanted to stay in because it's in the middle of town, the middle of all the shops and the restaurants and the old Victorian homes. We stayed at Congress Hall. And if you've been to Cape May before, you definitely know where Congress Hall is, what Congress Hall is. It is the big um, yellow brick in, brick and I don't know what other materials are used, that overlooks the ocean. It's right it's right on the ocean. And we were lucky enough to get a room that was had a beach view. It wasn't it wasn't a balcony room. I wanted a balcony room, but when I booked the trip, they're like, oh well, the only balcony room is the penthouse suite. And I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. Um, it's a lot just to afford a normal room. We cannot afford a penthouse suite. And then I was secretly hoping <laughs> This is so funny. I was secretly hoping that they'd see me like hobbling in with my crutches and my boot and because I couldn't walk on our trip because of my broken foot. Um, And they'd be like, oh, I feel bad for her. Let's put her in the suite. (laughs) And obviously that did not happen. But you know what? I tried to manifest it a little bit (laughs) and it didn't happen. But we did have this room with a gorgeous view. And A few years ago, I had picked up the book that is Haunted Cape May, and I I used this book when I went on a haunted trolley ride in Cape May, and I used it as a reference. And I actually, a couple months ago, did my own self-guided tour of the haunted places in Cape May. But I took this book with me because I knew that it talked all about Congress Hall, where we were staying And it was one of the first inns, like the first buildings in Cape May. It ended up burning down twice, and then they rebuilt it in the 1900s. But originally, it was built in 1816, and it was this three-story rustic boarding house um, at the corner of Congress Street and Beach Drive, so it's right on the Atlantic Ocean. And guests would dine on the first floor, and then the upper floors were for lodging. And as I said, it burnt down um, and twice, unfortunately. But there are uh, so many stories associated with Congress Hall and spirits seen and spirits that were contacted by world-renowned mediums. And so I was really excited to stay there. And the third floor is known to be haunted. And we ended up staying on the fourth floor. But the funny thing is, I was hoping that we were on the third floor because I I was so I was so excited about all of all of that. My husband, on the other hand, was freaked out. He does not like the thought of ghosts. He is he when we went on the trolley ride, the first night we were there, we went on the the haunted trolley ride tour, he was just I don't want to say terrified, but he was definitely a little bit spooked afterward. And he it, and I had considered, because we had two queen beds, I was going to sleep in the bed with my son, you know, because we're both smaller. And then my husband would have the other bed for that first night. But he was like, uh, I'd prefer that you that you'd sleep with me because I think he was a little bit scared. Um, oh my gosh. And if he ever hears this or knew that I told all of you listeners, thousands of you out there, he would just cringe, but I'm telling you. Uh, and so when we would do the tours through town and look at the Victorian homes, and I said, one day I want to own a Victorian home in Cape May. I think it'd be so beautiful and wonderful. We'd be right here at the beach and I could just feel there's so much positive energy. And he was like, no, we would have to build a brand new house. And I said, you do realize that the spirits can kind of reawaken whenever construction is done on a site, even if even if it's a brand new home, it doesn't matter. And in his mind, a brand new home can't be haunted. And I had to explain to him, well, it's the land that it's on as well, but that whatever. So we getting back to, I don't even know where I was going with this. I'm just rambling about our trip because it was so much fun. But there are so many haunted 
places. And I was really excited because my eight-year-old son was, he was just as excited to do the ghost hunting. And in fact, he brought his little iPod along that takes pictures and was taking pictures of just random Victorian homes hoping that he would get an orb in a picture. So he was taking, I don't, I don't know how many dozens and dozens of pictures and then looking at them when we would get back to the hotel to see if there were any ghosts, as he said, you know, any orbs in the picture. Because when I head toward a home called the Emlyn Physic Estate, if you ever go to Cape May, the Emlyn Physic Estate is thought to be one of the most haunted places there. Uh, I did have some orbs in pictures and they were true orbs. It was not reflections from light or, you know, the refraction from your camera. There were true orbs. One was underneath a piano. One was, oh, at the top of the stairs. Um, there were a couple there. And then I had one picture that just, I, I can't even explain what was in this picture, but I told my son about those. And so he was so excited to take the pictures. So we're about to get on the trolley. So we're, we're starting our first night. We're about to get on the trolley. And a woman, I would guess she was almost 80 years old, was our tour guide. Very petite, white hair. And she was dressed in a long black dress, Victorian garb. She was in costume. And she came right up to my son, asked his name and said, oh, are you excited to learn about ghosts? And he was like, yes, I'm so excited. He was thrilled. And she said to us, make sure when you get to the Emlyn Physic Estate, you get out your phone and you take pictures of the porch because the front porch is where recently people have been getting orbs and where people have seen figures, outlines of, of figures. So my son was so excited to get to this house. So we all boarded the trolley and he sat with me on the little bench. And one of the first things she said when the official tour started <laughs> was absolutely no photography, no flash photography. You must turn your phones off. And so I looked at my son. She had literally told him like 10 minutes before that he needs to take pictures. Uh, and then she told everybody yeah, to put all technology away. So he was so upset that not, I wouldn't say really upset. I mean, he loved hearing the stories and loved the old houses. But when we got to the Emlyn Physic Estate, he looked at me because he couldn't get his phone out or his iPod out, even though she said earlier that he should. So anyway, fast forward, we get off the trolley ride and I can see that he's a little bit bummed because he didn't get to take pictures. And so we ended up asking him if he wanted to go back. So at this point, it's nine o'clock at night. It is dark. It is dark out because it was getting dark, you know, around 645. And he said, I want to go back and take pictures, just the three of us. So we walked back. And when I say walk, you have to imagine this whole trip. I was hobbling. I had a boot and, cr and crutches. And we walked the whole way back to the hotel, which was only about four blocks got our car, and we drove back to the Emlyn Physic Estate so he could take pictures. And you, I can't even describe the joy on his face. He was so excited that first he got to stay up past his bedtime, way past his bedtime. We're in Cape May. We drove back to the most haunted house, and he gets to take pictures on his own device. He was, I mean, beyond excited. So we were there for, I would say, about 15 minutes or so. They had it all decorated with scarecrows and actually really creepy. Look, some of the figures were very creepy, things hanging from trees um, that my husband did not like. It was funny. He kind of stood back and was just not liking it at all. But my son and I were so into it and we're taking pictures and pictures. And one of the pictures that I took was of him taking a picture of the front porch. And right next to him is a little, was a little orb. And I showed him and he thought it was the coolest thing. Unfortunately, he did not get any, get any orbs in his pictures. I had a couple in mine. Some were, I could tell were light, you know, the light refractions, but others were a little more questionable. 
But then when we went walking through town the next night after dinner, he got some really good shots and he did get some orbs. So it was pretty successful. But, you know, there is so, so much history there. And it's right on, it's it's right on the Cape. It's right on the coast. You know, you have your Bayside and then you have the Atlantic Ocean. And first off, water is a huge conductor of energy. So typically when you have your sea, your coastal towns, your sea towns, you're going to have more spirit activity to begin with. Not only that, but Cape May is known for its Cape May diamonds. And it's not a diamond that you would think of. It is um, tumbled stones, really. It's quartz that has been tumbled so much in the water that it shows up on the sh- that they show up on the shoreline of Cape May and they're bright vibrant white some of them are clear in color and they've been tumbled and you know it's said that a lot of the spirits are attracted to that and that energy of those natural stones and um, the natural process so they call it the Cape May diamonds and I actually picked up a couple um, whenever we went to tour the lighthouse, I say we, I stayed down because <laughs> I had my crutches, but they went up, my, my boys went up into the lighthouse and it was just amazing. But then, oh my gosh, I realized this segment is going on for so long, but that's okay. Half the podcast is going to be about my trip. And I know a lot of you wanted to hear about it. Um, and the other thing that attracts so many spirits to Cape May or why they stick around or why they're seen is these Victorian homes are constantly being remodeled and updated. I want to say updated, but renovated even to preserve their historical integrity. And any time a foundation is rocked and construction is going on, it unsettles the ghosts. And so they show up a little bit more. And that's why there you can just feel the energy is palpable when you go in some of these old homes. You just know that there there are it's benevolent spirits. I found most of them like I just get the sense that they're just kind. Um, but there are stories of some malevolent ones that are not as nice. But I have not encountered those, nor do I welcome those spirits in. I always try to protect myself um, when it comes to that. But. We were walking, or I was walking through town a couple months back. So I took my son to Cape May back in, I think it was April or May, end of April, early May. And I dropped him off at my mom's house and I went into town and did my own personal ghost tour. And if you subscribe to my Patreon when I had that, I think I told some of these stories in a bonus, in a bonus Patreon thing. But the one house that I was so excited to see, it was on Jackson Street. Jackson Street has some of the most haunted homes in all of Cape May. Um, so I went, I, I walked down Jackson Street and there was this one home that I had heard was like super haunted. And I was really excited to take pictures and check it out. And when I walked up to it, the owner happened to be sitting on the front porch. And so I got to meet the owner of that home and she told me in her own voice the stories and the encounters that she had had in the home and one of them included when she was um, feeding her baby on the edge of the her bed she felt someone sit down right next to her like she watched the bed fall in somebody was sitting right next to her and later when she told Craig McManus, who is the this um, medium who does a lot of work in Cape May, he's from New Jersey, uh, he said that her particular house is associated with a woman who likes to sit on beds. And I believe he told her that before she was able to tell, relay her story. And so she was telling me these stories about the two homes that she owns. And I thought, of course, I want to learn about this history. And, and I run into her. Um, and so she told me some really neat stories about Cape May. But, you know, so many towns, so many towns have stories like this, um, so much history and so much magic and so, so much spirit work um, 
that I'm sure you all have similar stories or have heard stories like this. But if you ever get to Cape May, go on that ghost tour. It's just fun. It's a little fun thing. Um, And you get to learn a little bit about the history. And if you haven't been on my Instagram, um, check out, oh, I guess I put a lot of them in my stories. Maybe I, yeah, I should probably just do a post with a whole bunch of the homes. But I do, I have posted some of those homes on my Comfy Cozy Witch Instagram. Also on my Cozy Witch Right Instagram, I have some other pictures from my trip. And you can see those Victorian homes and just how beautiful they are. But I have now talked about this for almost 20 minutes and I want to do a quick overview of Samhain and talk about ways that we can connect with our ancestors a little bit or do some ancestor work during this Samhain season. So that, my trip to Cape May, spending time with my family, trying to forget about my foot um, and explore downtown Cape May and all of the, the, the ghost stories and hauntings, that is what currently has made me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. So for the main segment, as I said in the opening, I want to talk a bit about Samhain just really quick and then chat about ancestor work because this is such a great time to connect with our ancestors with the thinning of the veil. And so to start off, I just want to read a little bit about Samhain from my Llewellyn Sabbath's Almanac. And this actually came from my Almanac from 2009. So what, 12 years ago? Um, 11, 12, yeah, 12. (laughs) Math is not my specialty. (laughs) But I thought it would be just fun to read a bit about this. And this comes from Anne Mora. And I have many works written by her and I'm very familiar with her writing. And she wrote a little bit about Samhain, also known as the Witch's New Year. So it is, of course, the final harvest of the season. It's the third of the harvest festivals where root vegetables, squashes, pumpkins, winter wheat, um, corn is all gathered for the winter. Fields lie, they start to lie dormant and fallow, while gardens and are bedded down and covered with mulch and hay while seeds begin their slumber. Herds are called, meats are smoked and cured, and the hunting season begins. Samhain marks the start of the new year for some pagans, but for all, it is a time of remembering the dead and communicating with spirits. Seasonal colors are black for spirit contact and the goddess as crone, and orange for harvest and the god as hunter. Nocturnal and carrion animals such as cats, bats, owls, crows, ravens, and vultures symbolize the fleeting proximity of the world of shadows and specters. Such stones as labradorite, obsidian, and black onyx are used in meditation as gateways to the underworld, while herbs are used throughout the month during the holiday in a ritual to flavor beverages like cinnamon, clove, star anise, to cleanse and to purify an area with their fragrance like sage, patchouli, purple heather, and myrrh, and to imdue divination tools with psychic energy using mugwort or cypress. Appropriate offerings for visiting spirits are violets, lilacs, and apples, which symbolize immortality, and they have their inner pentagrams, of course, and pomegranates, whose juicy seeds are the legendary food of the underworld and have a close connection to many myths. At autumn equinox, the fading light of the sun indicates that the god has entered the underworld to rule. The goddess, alone as crone, withdraws her fertility from the earth in preparation for winter and enters the underworld at Samhain. Now is when the god passes into her to be reborn at Yule. His transition makes thin the veil between the worlds, making spirit communication easier. For in that timeless moment, all its hollows are holy, and the tomb of the goddess as crone becomes the womb of the goddess as a mother. The mystery of Samhain is that the god of fertility and self-sacrifice is also the hunter who gathers the dead and rules the underworld, and that the fertile mother goddess is also the barren crone, through whom all must pass for rebirth. Death is a passage and not a state of being. Various deities from different cultures and regions are associated with guiding spirits to the underworld. Among these are the horned hunter leading the wild hunt. We have Hermes, um, Hecate, uh, so, I mean, so, so many 
deities that are associated with the underworld. Um, other underground rulers, including Lord of Shadows, um, Osiris, Hades, the Crone, Rhiannon, Persephone. Like I said, just so many deities to choose from. And your deity of choice may be incorporated into the Samhain Sabbath through an introductory dramatic traumatization of their myths or by naming them as the god and goddess in the ritual. While the archetypal mythologies vary depending upon the pantheon and the craft tradition, the underworld is generally seen as having two realms. Some see the dim, tranquil shadow land as the place where spirits rest, releasing the stress and pains of the past life and becoming refreshed and re-energized. A spirit might leave this realm and seek rebirth almost at once or enter into the bright and active Summerland to experience a period of blissful harmony and joy, perhaps even reuniting with loved ones who had passed on before. This is a place to consider what is best for personal growth and decide what further experience is needed for spiritual development. A spirit may consider traveling to other worlds, becoming a spirit guide to someone, or reincarnating in physical form in a location suited to the life lesson to be learned. Some spirits are confused upon passing, becoming earthbound or wanderers until guided to the light. Others choose to remain near loved ones, a familiar place, or their gravesite until they become aware that they can move on. At Samhain, we greet the spirits kindly, instinctively aware of our connection, for we are all of the same essence, making the same passage through life, death, rest, and rebirth. Samhain affords us a time to honor the ancestors, both known and unknown, commune more easily with our departed loved ones and spirit guides, and assist spirits who seek to move on. We divine the future year and investigate our own past lives through meditation, through mirror gazing and other scrying techniques. And because we can more easily contact spirits, this is an opportunity to bless them, to learn from them and grow, to receive a message and to offer our aid to those spirits and ancestors in need. In some traditions, this is a time to tend grave sites, cleaning and decorating them with flowers and leaving offerings and mementos. And this is something that that I do every year and I'll be going up actually to many ancestors gravesites with my mom when she visits next week. In the home, a shrine may be created on a shelf or table by arranging photos and keepsakes of departed loved ones, along with flowers and an offering of salt and bread. Here, a white candle may be lit in remembrance, for this is the essence of Samhain. So just a little tidbit there. I thought that was nice. I always love to revisit my old Sabbath's Almanac um, from years past. This this is one of my, so this is 2009. I have one, I think from, I want to say 2001, 2002. And then this one, I ha- I found one from 2012. It's random. I, I didn't buy them every single year, just here and there, probably as I was m- more into practicing, you know, my practicing waxing and waning over the years. Um, but yeah, it's always fun to reflect and look back on them. And I, I like to pick these up every single year <laughs> uh, because I get new ideas um, each year. So that was just a bit about Samhain. And again, I have a full episode. I think it was one of my longest episodes about this Sabbath that you can listen to if you go back. It was probably like my second or third episode. So episode two or three. So let's talk a little bit about ancestors. You know, as mentioned in just reading that, Samhain is a time where we honor our ancestors and it's easy to, I don't want to say easy to do this, but it's easier to do this during Samhain than other times of the year because of the thinning veil. This is when the veil between the worlds of the living and the tangible world that we're in and the ethereal realm or the land of the dead is thin. So that veil that separates us is thin at this time, making it a really great time for communicating with our ancestors, past loved ones, um, spirits in general. And I do have to say, because this the th- the veil is so thin at this time, it's also a time that we need to be aware that spirits good and not so nice can easily cross at this time. And so it's an important Sabbath where we need to be aware of protection as well and making sure that if we are trying to connect with 
the other side, we are protecting ourselves through ritual, through um, jewelry that we may wear, through gemstones, through herbs, through simply speaking blessings. Uh, we, and in using salt, we need to be aware that we are putting protections in place. But I want to talk a little bit about ancestors. And, you know, ancestor work, this is going to be an episode or two on its own at some point, I am sure, because there is so much that I can talk about, about when we're talking about ancestor work and healing and using ancestor work for our own personal growth and our shadow work. But I just want to talk about ways that we can connect to our ancestors and at this time of year specifically. So first, I guess defining ancestors. If you read multiple books on the occult and witchcraft, you're going to find many different definitions of what your ancestors are. Some people say that an ancestor is somebody who has to be blood related to you. Others may say, yes, an ancestor could be somebody in your bloodline, but it could also be people who aren't directly related to you through DNA, or it could be ancestors as guides that you have worked with from life to life to life that has been with you through all the lives. They are your ancestors. And, you know, that's really up to you to, de- to determine what what your or who your ancestors are. But for this episode, I want to talk about, um, or I'm going to be focusing more on our blood ancestors and ancestors in our life right now, the life that we are currently living. Um, so I think it's important to to realize that your ancestral lineage, it's important to connect to that lineage, to its history, to the culture. And a really great place to start is through research. <laughs> and I know I come back to this through research, through reading. Yes, you can meditate on it. Um, but there's nothing quite like doing a little bit of hard work and researching. And that means reaching out to your relatives who are still living, your parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, and asking them what they remember of their ancestors who were alive during their lifetime, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, um, to get an idea of your lineage and, and your ancestors. Where did they come from? Where did they originate? What traditions... Um, if you are researching or even you do a DNA test and you find out you're from XYZ country, it's important to maybe research the traditions there and try to connect to those traditions in some way. So a really great place to start, again, is just doing some research. Research by asking other people. Get a free account, a trial account on Ancestry.com. I'm sure there are other websites and do a little bit of digging now, and realize that it's hard work because you can easily get false information. But if you're willing to put in the effort and work, you can find your ancestors. You can find people um, who came before you and then do a little bit of research on that. I, as a side note, my mom is really, really big into ancestry work and has done over the last couple of years so much research. I mean, she has spent hundreds of hours, hundreds of hours doing research on our family and has brought so many amazing things to light that we never realized. Um, And part of that was also because she did the DNA testing and found out that, of course, we have (laughs) cousins we never knew we had and, you know, all of that good stuff that comes up with the new DNA testing. Um, But okay, anyway, again, tangent, start with, with some research. Um, if, if you want to dig in right away and start honoring some of your ancestors who you know you were close to, your past loved ones, a really great place to start during Samhain is by setting up an ancestor altar. And I talked about ancestor altars on my altar episode, but, you know, an ancestor altar 
is Walter. Oh, there's Reese. That wouldn't be an episode without Reese, would it? Oh my gosh. Go on out. Come on. It wouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know what I was saying there because I was distracted by Reese barking, of course. But for your ancestor altar, you know, get some pictures of your past loved ones. Set those on a shelf or a windowsill or a place that you have dedicated to be your sacred ancestor altar space. Pull or find some belongings. If you have any belongings that belonged to those ancestors, maybe you place those on the altar as well. Um, If there were any drinks or food that you know a particular ancestor liked, put those on your altar. You can do that as well. My ancestor altar consists of pictures. Come on in. Come on in, Reese. Consists of pictures. Uh, The tablecloth I talked about last year that I burned a hole in with incense that always was at my Nana's house during Samhain and her Halloween Samhain party. I have um, an old, it's like an old, old school piggy bank that was my great, great grandfather's. And I have some other little things that belonged to my grandparents. And then of course, their pictures and pictures of um, my, the, the two Florence and Rush who contacted me through a Ouija board when I was 11, which I'm sure many of you have listened to that episode before. Um, so yeah, set up an ancestor altar. You can sit at that altar and simply talk to your past loved ones. Tell them what's going on in your life. You don't have to do any particular magical working if you don't want to, but just sit, connect with them, light a candle, talk to them, spend some time there speaking their names out loud, giving gratitude um, for watching over you, asking them. You can ask them for protection with your highest good in mind, of course. Um, and, and just sit in silence and see what comes to you intuitively. What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you see? What do you sense? And then journal about that. So that's one way. That's, that's a big way that I connect with my ancestors is setting up that altar and just sitting and talking to them almost on a daily basis. Even and because my altar is on a bookshelf right behind my desk, I literally am doing it right now. I pivot in my chair, I turn around and I can just talk to them. I can, I can talk to my ancestors at my altar. I mean, I can talk to them anywhere. So another great thing that you can do is go on, go on an ancestral walk, um, to cemetery. So go to a cemetery where an ancestor is resting And you can do the same thing there. You can talk to them there, bring some of their favorite items and just sit. We're going up to my my grandparents' gravesite with my mom next Saturday. And we are picking up Krispy Kreme (laughs) donuts and coffee. And we're going to sit up there with my Nana and have Krispy Kreme and coffee and do like a little ritual and sit up and, and talk to her up there. So I, if you, if you want to connect in that way, if, if a cemetery, of course, if, if their burial spot is close to you, you can head there for some connection. Again, don't forget to protect yourself, wear and, and do whatever you do as a protection ritual beforehand. Because again, we are at Samhain where the veil is pretty thin. <laughs> so another thing that you can do is pass stories around with your family. So you can, again, you know, I talked about contacting your family members to to hear and learn who your ancestors were, but just sit around the table or Zoom if you're not near people or call them on the phone. I know it feels so old fashioned to like call someone, but call your parents, aunt, uncle, anyone and ask them to tell you stories or you can tell stories and relay stories and memory because that just keeps their memory alive because Samhain is about that too, remembrance. Remembrance is such a big theme during the Sabbath. And if you can just remember your ancestors and talk about them with your family, it keeps that memory alive and keeps you closer, um, closely connected to them as well. Something else that that you could consider doing um, is going to the lands that your ancestors lived. 
So take, and again, take a little pilgrimage, take a little journey um, to maybe a home where your ancestors used to live, or if they lived on an old farm or somewhere in the city, just take a walk around that old neighborhood or that old land, that old farm, and get a sense of what your ancestors had a sense of whenever they lived there to connect with them a little bit more. And that's even more exciting if you go to that place and you're you're thinking or, or even saying the stories aloud that you learned about them living in that particular place. I think that's a really great way to connect with your ancestors. Um, Samhain also is a great time to host a dinner to have with your ancestors. And you can do a traditional dumb supper, which includes you uh, setting an extra place setting at your table. And um, it, it's called a dumb supper because it's done in silence. You serve the meal backwards. So you start with dessert and then you move forward with the meal and you end with pouring the beverage as like a final toast. Um, but you eat the meal backward and in silence to recognize those who has pa- who have passed before you and to honor your ancestors and invite them in. I have not done a traditional dumb supper. I typically just have a supper with my ancestors. So I will do an extra place setting and serve food. And one one spot represents, you know, all of my ancestors. So I will do an extra plate of food, or usually it's it's soup and a hearty bread <laughs> and some cider. And and sit down to dinner and talk to that your ancestors as if they're there. Same thing as if you're sitting at your altar. Tell them about your life, what's going on, what you're doing for that particular festival, what you wish to come out of the next year because we're at the witch's new year. Um, that's another really great way that you can honor and recognize those ancestors. And if you want to do any deeper ancestral work than just connecting with them, do some research about that. I, When it comes to ancestor work and when it comes to even shadow work, because a lot of times I think healing with ancestors goes along with healing the shadow parts of ourself. But I, I, I truly believe that when we're talking about some of these areas, I'm not schooled as well. I'm not schooled as much as I feel I should be to, to speak about all of this. I would need to do more reading because I have not done a lot of deep ancestral work. I connect with my ancestors, but I haven't done any ancestral healing work. And I think that's something I do want to research more. And I urge you to do that if that's something that you're interested in. And I can research and find, you know, some good resources and post them at some point. But I would recommend if you want to go deeper in ancestor work, then you do some research. And this is a good place to add too. (laughs) We don't always like our ancestors. Not all of our ancestors did great things, um, which we come to find out or we already know because history has told us that. And, you know, so it's hard. I know it might be hard for some people to reconcile the bad things that our ancestors have done with doing ancestor work. And it it's not all light and fun and yay, I'm connecting with my family and I'm inviting them to dinner and this is going to be really, you know, fun. It, it's not always that because there's a lot of trauma that comes with people in our family, with our ancestors. And so again, that's something that you want to think about whenever you approach working with your ancestors. Do you really want to be connecting with that uncle who did horrible, horrible things? Um And again, that's something that you would want to look into a little bit more. And I don't feel like I'm the expert (laughs) on it. Um, So I hope that that was just an okay overview of working with your ancestors, some little things you can do this Samhain to connect with them. Like I said, talk to family members, do some research, set up an altar, go for cemetery walks, go for property walks, a little pilgrimage to where you came from or where your family lived. And maybe that can can give you some insight and do some journaling about all of that. You know me, I always come back to journaling and meditation. <laughs> and hopefully that can, um, hopefully you will be receptive, I should say, to 
images or messages from those ancestors if you take the time to honor them and to really meditate on things and journal journal out. So my comfy, cozy, witchy friends, I hope that that was helpful a little bit. I know I rambled a little. I'm looking out the window right now and my neighbor across the street, which we get along really well now. I remember telling some of you it wasn't going so well when they first moved in. It was a little awkward, but now they're awesome. They just got a little black French bulldog. It is the cutest little dog. One second, buddy. Now my son wants in here too. And Reese is freaking out. Everything's going on now. And she's trying to train this dog to go to the bathroom. So I'm watching her. She keeps walking off her porch, setting the dog in the grass, telling it to go to the bathroom, but it just keeps running back to the front door. Like it's done it three times now as I'm talking. And it's probably why maybe I'm not making complete sense the last couple minutes, but I'm watching it and then it runs to the door. Then it will come back. Look, she's doing it again. You can't see, obviously. And then it'll run to the front door. Hey, bud, look at, look at that. Look at how cute that dog is. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to stop this segment right now because I'm getting distracted and everything's going on at once. And in a moment, I'll come back to our card pull of the episode. Okay, so we'll go into the card of the week. And appropriately, I'm going to use the Seasons of the Witch Samhain Art Oracle that a friend of mine, Kaylee, sent me as a surprise in the mail, which is really, really nice. So we're going to pull from this deck. So let's see what we have, what message we have. Okay, here we go. Oh, how appropriate. Um, we pulled Rebirth. There's death in all that awakens, for it isn't blissful nor painless. It's a mighty rising, O flame resurrected. And I have to say this deck, um, and it's Juliet Diaz and Lorraine Anderson. It is just, or I think it's Lorianne, Lorianne Anderson. It is a beautiful deck. And they have the Yule deck now as well. But let's talk about this rebirth card, card which is all about awakening. Um, so rebirth represents an awakening. After a difficult period, we all must face our storms, but know the storm will pass. Eventually, you will find clear skies and feel the warm sun on your face again. And really, this is appropriate card is an appropriate card for Samhain because this is the witch's new year, the witch's rebirth, where we can set those intentions for this coming year and think about what last year just didn't work and what relationships what ideas, what thought patterns, what things in general we need to banish, we need to release to move forward. And rebirth is the process of unfolding yourself after a storm. It's when your spirit has a chance to take a deep breath and stretch. It is about rediscovery. All that troubled you has burned away. And now you can face a new life that is waiting to bless you with new adventures and lessons. And really, spirit always knows when I do these pulls because that is such an appropriate card for this episode. So thank you again for joining me. I want to do a couple shout outs and I have quite a few because since the last episode, a number of people have left reviews and I thank you so much. I thank you so, so much. Um, so first off, Ann Kamini, 123, you just discovered the podcast and you're really loving it. So thank you. Thank you for your kind comments. Michelle Anderson, thank you. You said that listening to this podcast is what currently makes you feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. So I love, I love it. Thank you. Um, SJ1026, you found this podcast a few weeks ago and I'm so glad that you're learning so much. And I love how the tea episode came up right after you went to the tea shop. <laughs> I love those things that align so much for us. Cosmic Mike, thank you. And I'm, I couldn't read the whole title, but as warm as a, I'm thinking it says crackling fire because I can read the first part of that. Um, but I really thank you for your kind, kind words um, that you find this encouraging without being pushy. That's exactly what I love. And I love how you wrote um, that 
it's great insight. If you're a part of the Ravenwolf generation, you'll feel particularly at home, but also new witches will very much as well. So thank you for saying that. Um, I, you said, you know, I'm like a nice distance mentor because uh, I'm not obviously in person. And that just really meant a lot to me. I never saw myself as that when I started this, but the more more and more people are saying that. And I just really appreciate that I, I can be so helpful to so many of you. Um, Danny XO, uh, thank you for your kind words. My voice is soothing. <laughs> Sometimes I re-listen and I think it's not very soothing, but you know, it's important that you are soothed by it. And I'm really grateful for your message. Simone, um, with a little fairy emoji, thank you for being obsessed with this podcast and for binge listening to it. I, I get, I get the episodes out as much as I can, um, as I have time. But thank you so much, um, Noelle X three. Thank you for your kind words. You find it magical, authentic. That's, it is very authentic. I mean, <laughs> you hear my dogs. You hear when I have to clear my throat, when my son is interrupting. This is, you get, you get me. This is my life. (laughs) Um, Kimula, thank you so much for your kind words. It's like sipping a cup of tea and getting cozy under a warm blanket, um, which is everything I love. So thank you. Jewelis2711, thank you so much. I'm happy to give you the cozy vibes that you like from the podcast. So thank you. Um, Cosmama. Thank you. I'm so glad that this is a favorite witchy podcast of yours. I'm happy to do it. Um, Jaina09, thank you for your kind remarks as well. Um, and yes, you mentioned I did get back to you. I, I try to get back to everybody's messages as quickly as I can, but I know sometimes I get a lot and I'm not able to, but I'm glad I was able to respond to you in a timely manner. Um, KMK42279. Thank you so much. Um, as a solitary witch, I'm glad that you can appreciate this podcast. And Tallulah is amazing. Same with you. Thank you. And I think that's, I think those were all the new ones since the last episode. So everybody, thanks again. I know I say thank you over and over a million times, but you know, I do appreciate it. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Comfy Cozy Witch on Instagram. I have the ComfyCozyWitch.com website. You can join the Comfy Cozy Witches private Facebook group. There's a growing number of Comfy Cozy friends in there that that are really enjoying it. And I just love interacting in there. And um, if you want to support me in any way, because as you know, I don't do, I don't have advertisers and um, I don't make money (laughs) on doing this at all. But if you do wish to support me in some way, check out my Fit Witch Challenge. You can check out my Cozy Mysteries at Cozy Witch Writes on Instagram. Um, I have a series of mysteries that are going to be coming out. They're witchy, cozy mysteries. And um, I think that is about it. And just keep listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, The more you do that, the more people know about the podcast. So again, everybody, I hope that you have a magical and meaningful and fulfilling Samhain and that you're able to release things that you don't need and to set some intentions for this new year, you know, if you follow this as the Witch's New Year. And until the next episode, everybody, stay comfy, cozy, and witchy.